Uh, so where have we been? Uh, as a church, God took us to a book in the Old Testament. And that was the book of Jonah. And we've been in this book for about three weeks. But just to get us all caught up to where we're at today, Jonah, I said, is a prophet I can relate to. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and these people do things and we're like, there ain't no way I can relate to that dude. He like walked on water and stuff. That's not me. Jonah is the guy that I get. (laughs) Jonah chapter 1, what happens? God speaks to him. He says, get up. And so what does Jonah do? He goes down. I mean, he's my my three-year-old son. When you tell him to do it, he says, no. You know what I mean? Like, that's who Jonah was. Jonah chapter 1 was all about the rebellion of the prophet. He goes down, he goes down, he disobeys, he says, throw me in the water. I mean, he never cries out to God. That's who he was. I talked about how we get that sometimes. You know, when God speaks to us and we know better, and so we do what we want, that's a prophet I can relate to. We talked about the mirror of Jonah. When I look at this this story, can I see myself? How do I see myself in this story? And then chapter 2, things turn around. I guess that happens when you get swallowed by a fish, right? Jonah chapter 2 is all about the repentance of the prophet. Like, there's something that changes. He's been consistently saying, I'm going to run, I'm going to run, I'm going to run. And we see him in the belly of the fish. The, The prayer that he prays is, God, I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. There's a change in him. You know, we all remember, or, or maybe we can reflect on a time where, where we changed our attitude toward what God was asking us to do. And we said, God, I'm going to stop running, and I'm going to start doing. And Jonah chapter 3 was proof, right? Last week we looked at chapter 3. Jonah went to the city of Nineveh. Now, for those who weren't here, that might not sound like that big of a deal. It was a big deal to Jonah. The Ninevites were Assyrians. The Assyrians did not like the people of God. They didn't like the Israelites. So they wanted to kill them. They were enemies. Jonah had to walk somewhere around 250, 300 miles to get to Nineveh to talk to his enemies because God told him to. Now the guy that we saw in chapter 1 that ran, in chapter 3, he goes and he does something that just doesn't make sense. Scripture says he walks into the city and he begins to declare the word that God gave him. That's called radical obedience. People who don't like you and they definitely hate your God, you're going to go in the midst of them and begin to speak the truth that God's given you, to speak the words that God laid on your heart. And what happened in chapter 3? I mean, there's a celebration in chapter 3, right? Go ahead and pull Jonah chapter 4 off real quick, Irene. I don't want people reading that just quite yet. I want to get to the end of Jonah chapter 3. Because at the end of the chapter, the prophet spoke about eight words, is all we see in Scripture. He basically said, repent or you're going to die in 40 days. That was his message. Turn from your wicked ways or you're going to die in 40 days. And an entire city of about 120,000 repented. Talk about why would they repent? I mean, seriously, eight words. I want those words. I want to see that kind of work. They repented because of the obedience of Jonah. So we're at the end of the chapter and we see the king in, 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 in Nineveh, or the king, yeah, the word gets to the king and what does he do? He declares a national mourning. 
He says, everybody, he takes off his royal robe, he puts on sackcloth, he, he kneels down in ashes, and he begins to repent. And he says, what? Don't let your animals eat? Remember? Put sackcloth on your animals? I mean, he's calling national repentance because of the word of the prophet. Talk about an exciting time in history. Can you imagine? 120,000 people who are, who are evil, repent because of the true God? I mean, isn't this a time for like celebrations? Shouldn't he have a segment in CBN or on, we have the Pentecostal Evangel and the Assemblies of God. Shouldn't he have an article in the Pentecostal Evangel and the Assemblies of God to talk about what happened through Jonah? I mean, this is a time to celebrate, right? The prophet was obedient to God and God did incredible things. This morning, I want to pick up the story. I want to read the rest of the chapter. And I hope it messes with your brain a little bit today. Because Jonah is someone who I say we can relate to. And I bet sometimes in Jonah chapter 4, when we first read it, we say we don't get it. But I promise there's an understanding that comes through Jonah chapter 4 that can be a mirror for us. So I'm going to pray before we read. God, I thank you this morning for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the word that you've prepared for this day. And God, I pray for us all. There's so much going on. There's things to think about. But God, I pray that as we're here this day, that, that we would yield ourselves to you. You would let you speak to our hearts and minds, our eyes, and you would accomplish your work in this place. For me, God, as I preach, I pray that you would anoint me and it would only be your words that come forth. That Spirit of God, you accomplish everything you desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah chapter 4. Remember, I just talked about an entire nation comes to repentance. So how are we going to react? Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah... To Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Is this, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now take my life away because it's better for me to die Live. This is a celebration. This is a prophet excited about what God's doing, right? But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city where he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant, made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to his, for his head and to ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about the plant, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Jonah's got a dying problem, doesn't he? This is the third time in the chapter he's talked about being dead. 
I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? What is going on with Jonah? I mean, where does this start? The first verse in this book, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. When you look, if you can go to the next slide, I'll be right at the top of it. When you look at that word in the Hebrew, it's the same word for evil. Jonah is talking to God, right? For Jonah, this seems evil. I mean, there's something going on in dude's heart. He's judging God, calling God evil. But to Jonah, this seems very wrong. It seemed evil, and he became angry. We had a rebellious prophet. We had a repentant prophet. We had an obedient prophet, and now we've got an angry prophet. Why is he angry? What's going on in in Jonah's heart? He was displeased with God. It just seems odd. Especially to the, to the church of today. How can we be angry that someone heard God's word and responded to it? You see, there's something going on inside of Jonah that we're going to see through this chapter. There's something going on inside of him where, where he's not identifying with who God is. He's literally angry to the point of calling God evil. I mean, sometimes we don't make good choices when we're angry. You know what I'm saying? Don't recommend having a face-to-face with God and calling Him evil. Like, sometimes our anger makes us make silly choices. Sometimes our, our anger changes us. This is so hard for me as a pastor, right? I said three weeks ago, we looked at Jonah chapter 2, and I preached an entire sermon that said Jonah had repented. He had changed. It was demonstrated, right, in his actions. It was demonstrated in his words. It was demonstrated through his obedience. There are some people who will argue Jonah never truly repented. I believe you could see a life change, and he was willing to do what God asked him to do, right? So how can someone who repents be angry? Like, what's going on? How can someone who has repented be be angry with God? Let's be honest. Let's look at the mirror. We all have those times, right? We've all experienced those moments where things just didn't make sense. This isn't the way this was 
supposed to turn out and we let our hearts become angry. Jonah in chapter 4 has a problem inside. There's a psalm that says, Refrain from your anger, turn from wrath. Don't fret, it only leads to evil. What? Yeah, it's probably evil to call God evil. Get it? Sometimes we let the anger stay. We let the anger dictate. We let the anger become our motivation. Have you ever been there where your anger made you do something and you regretted it later? I mean, I really wish there was a Jonah chapter 5. I wish I could interview Jonah after the fact. Have you ever had that anger remorse? Parents, get me. You wallop your kid or you say something you shouldn't say and then all of a sudden you feel bad. I mean, I want to see that in Jonah. But the reality is in our heart, when we allow anger in our heart, it leads us to do things that we wouldn't normally do that probably don't really make a whole lot of sense. I'm sure your wives have never looked at you, so I'll be very transparent. There have been moments my wife looks at me and says, who is, going, who is that? What is like going on in you? You're absolutely crazy right now. And I'm 100% crazy because I'm annoyed or angry with my kids. And I'm sure my wife is the only wife that has ever told a husband that, so that's my confession this morning. There's a heart condition in Jonah. That heart condition becomes anger because he's disappointed that God didn't do things the way that he thought they should be done. We're going to get to this in a little bit. Uh, there's another scripture in, cha- in James chapter 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We need to identify What's going on in our heart? You see, I think this, this chapter, it's so challenging sometimes for, 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 the, for, the, for the theological or the church reader because we're like, this doesn't make sense. There's dissonance. You know, there's two themes going and they just don't seem to jive together. They just, they're just not coming together. I mean, there's no harmony in what's going on. Listen to Jonah's words. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord. You ever done this? God, isn't this what I told you what would happen? Say that to your spouse sometime and see where that turns out. Jonah is with God. Hey God, didn't I tell you this would happen? When I was still there at home, before all this stuff started, this is what I tried to forestall. This is what I tried to prevent by fleeing to Tarsus. doesn't make sense. God, I, I told you so. He's angry. But listen to what he says. Go to that slide, chapter 4, verse 2. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger, abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Does that make any sense? Jonah's saying, God, I told you we couldn't do this because I know who you are. I know that you're a good God. 
I mean, his words there are absolutely incredible. When, when he describes who God is, he said, you're gracious, you're compassionate. That's who you are. I know who you are. You're abounding in love. You're slow to anger. You relent from calamity. He knows who God is. But then he called him evil. Like, what's going on in Jonah's heart? Do you see that, that friction? There's something that's wrestling. It's flesh in Jonah that's wrestling with spirit. I mean, it's that that true argument of, like, God, I knew this would happen. I told you so, God. I mean, this is it. That's why I ran to the boat. That's why I was running away. I knew you would be. You're so gracious. You're so compassionate. You're slow to anger. You're softy. You're abounding in love. You just love people. You know, they walk all over you. You keep forgiving. You relent from calamity because people repent. I mean, he knows who God is. That's a great picture. I was talking to someone the other day and they were asking about who is God. And, and, and I was doing some research and they, they brought me to this verse in Jonah chapter 4. Like a perfect description of who God is. If someone asks you who God is, he's gracious, he's compassionate, he's abounding in love, he's slow to get angry. He doesn't want calamity in your life. I mean, it's a great picture of who God is. He gets God. There's something going on in him. Anger that argues with the very nature of who God is. Because he's upset with the outcome. He's wrestling with, with this very reality of, of who is God. Romans chapter 9. What shall we say? Is God unjust? No, not at all. He says to Moses, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. I love this because the dissonance is, Jonah, it's not about what you want. It's about who God is. You can get as upset as you want right now, but it's really not about you. This was about the Ninevites. This is about them responding to the Word of God. There are some that like to compare the response of Jonah to the response of the Ninevites. Talk about complete opposites. They repent completely. They change. They put on sackcloth. They mourn. In Jonah chapter 4, God, you're evil. What are you doing? So, the foolishness of anger. Jonah says, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than live. Maybe Jonah chapter 4 should be the pouting prophet. You ever talk to someone like that? Oh, it's so awful. It's better for me to die than move forward. What's better for you to die? Jonah, why, why is it better for you to die? God looks at him, is it right even for you to be angry? Like, I I don't get it right now. What's going on? The foolishness of anger. We say foolish things. Jonah's back to the boat, remember? In the midst of his running, in the midst of his rebellion, they wake him up, they bring him up, and they say, cry out to your God rather than crying out to God. What does he say? 
Uh, just throw me in and let me die. Jonah's back in chapter 1. That's the foolishness of anger. God looks at him and says, Jonah, what's the deal? Like, why are you so angry? 120,000 people repented. Why are you so angry? What's going on? He's getting to a heart condition in Jonah. You know what? I think Jonah's thinking about himself. Can you imagine going back home and the entire town hearing what you just did? Remember, Jonah hates the Ninevites. He's not the only one who hates the Ninevites. Right? So can you imagine when he goes for coffee in the morning and he's sitting around the table with all the guys having coffee and someone brings up what just happened in Nineveh? That God was going to destroy them? That was the word that came? God was going to completely annihilate their enemy? But because Jonah opened his mouth, they were delivered? I mean, Jonah's starting to think about himself. Maybe, I'm just supposing, is that, is that why he's, he's angry? I mean, he's a prophet, right? We're all about our word. I want my word to be true. He just spoke a bunch of false stuff to an entire nation. He went in radical obedience and promised that nation. He didn't say, if you repent. He didn't say, repent or. He said, guess what? God's coming to destroy you. There was no guarantee in Jonah's words that if they repented, that God would relieve. Remember, the king didn't even know if that would happen. Well, if you're a prophet, and you didn't speak the truth, kind of makes your next gig a little challenging. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to speak the truth when you just spoke a lie. Or what was perceived as a lie. So the next time you talk... No one's going to listen. You kind of got knocked down a notch. Jonah's angry. Why? Because of how this is affecting me. Jonah chapter 4, the angry prophet, is all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what's going on inside of, of Jonah. Why? What's he do after this? Okay, he just has this Crazy encounter with God. He's talking to God. Most of us, if we talk to God like this, we would be like, wow, what, that's crazy. Okay, I'm sorry, Lord. What's Jonah do? God just said, why are you so angry? So what's Jonah do? Jonah gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. What was going to happen to the city? Absolutely nothing! Right? Yeah, Jonah thought the city might be destroyed. He's still holding out that God might, maybe, maybe he made some leeway with God. So picture this. He has this conversation. He's angry with God. He's called God evil. He said to God, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. This is who you are. I know who you are. And God says, why are you so angry? He's questioning what's going on in his heart. So what is Jonah's response? I'm going to go build a shelter on the highest hill, get the best seat, pop some popcorn, pop open a few pops, and watch this devastation come. I can't wait to see the hailstones coming down from the heaven, the fire Balls coming to consume. Jonah's getting a front row seat for the devastation that's not coming to Nineveh. 
He still can't see past himself. What a silly man Jonah was. Yeah. What about the mirror? You ever had those moments with God where you just can't let go of your way? And even though God rebukes you, even though he challenges you, even though he questions you, you're still holding out with the popcorn in your mouth, waiting to see the destruction come because that's what you think should happen? Because you think God should do the things the way that, that you thought they should be done because that's what you said? Even though he's rebuked you, even though he's challenged you, yet you're still there because of what's going on inside of you. God kind of messes with Jonah a little bit now. Maybe that's not a fair terminology. God, God makes Jonah a living illustration. We'll just say that. So he provided a leafy plant. And Jonah's got the best shelter. He's got a shelter, a plant. Things are good to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah loved this plant. I mean, what a provision of God. God is blessing me in my rebellion. God is blessing me in my anger, right? Isn't that what Jonah's at? He loves this plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. The sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. Wouldn't it be better for me to die than live? But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Let's get away from the Ninevites is what God just did. Right? He said, is it right for you to get, to, to get angry about the plant? It is. You ever feel justified in your anger? God, I have every right to be angry right now. Hmm. You know, God asks you that question, the answer is probably no. You know what I'm saying? Like you ask your kids questions sometimes, but there's a right answer. Is it right for you to be angry about that plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. What is going on in his heart? Like Jonah's got a real heart problem. Jonah's got something inside of him. He just, it's just not meshing. He's wrestling with flesh. He's wrestling with what was. He's wrestling with his expectations. He's wrestling with who he says God should be. But the very nature of God has been revealed before him. God, man, he'll, he'll knock you upside the head if you let him. So what's he do? He looks at Jonah in verse 10. He says, but the Lord said, you've been concerned about the plant. You didn't tend it. You didn't make it grow. It came up overnight and it died overnight. You want to talk about getting to the heart of Jonah? And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And also there's many animals. Remember, because the animals repented, so they were spared too. I mean, that's crazy. Can you imagine that moment like God brings you to that place? And you get a heart check. This is absolutely a heart check. He says, Jonah, you're more worried about that plant. What is that plant going to do? It's going to live and die. 
You're more worried about that plant than you are about those people. There's a sermon I've preached. Not here. Other places. Goldfish. I pick a goldfish out and throw it on the floor. That little thing flop around. Wiggle a little bit. You want to talk about making people uncomfortable? Throw a goldfish on the floor in front of them. Now they might think you're crazy. I had a little old lady. I love, I loved Elizabeth. Great woman. I was a youth pastor then, so youth pastors can get away with this stuff. So I, I was getting ready to preach a sermon. I threw that fish on the ground, and I just started preaching. Pastor, you're not supposed to say pastor while I'm preaching. I just kept on preaching. Pastor, what about the fish? I kept on preaching. Eventually she got up and she picked up that fish. Pastor, you got to do something about this fish. It's going to die. That's what Jonah's doing. That's what God's doing with Jonah right now. He said, because that was the whole point of my message. You're more concerned about the fish than you are about the people. Jonah, what's going on inside of you is where God's got him. You're more concerned about these, this plant. You're more concerned about yourself, right? Because what was the plant? The plant was what made Jonah feel good. What was the plant? The plant was watching the Ninevites be destroyed. You're more concerned about yourself is where God brought Jonah to than you are about my way. You guys can come forward. I don't think there was a problem with Jonah's repentance. I think Jonah had positioned himself through obedience for what God desired to accomplish. I don't think there was a problem with what was going on inside of Jonah in the, in, the, in, the, in the belly. I don't think that he failed to connect with God. I think that's a picture of my walk with the Lord. Jonah is a mirror for me. Yes, I have rebelled. Yes, I have run when God said go. But I changed. I did change. And I obeyed. And I saw God do incredible things. But just because I saw God do incredible things doesn't mean God was finished with me yet. The reality is I have to check my heart. We're so worried about arriving. We're so worried about getting to that place that we want to be. We're not worried enough about what's continuing to happen inside of us. You know, we just think, hey, if I say this prayer, everything's good. Yeah, I'm not going to question your salvation. We think if I do these things, everything's fine. Jonah, the mirror of Jonah tells me that I need to be intentional about what's coming in me. Just because God did something, just because God used me for something miraculous, for something incredible. We see these reports of great men and women of faith who who have failures, and we wonder how. How did that happen? Did they never have genuine faith? No, I believe they have genuine faith, but they weren't doing this heart check. What's happening in my heart? 
Is my heart compelled by me? Is my heart compelled by what I want? Is my heart compelled, is my life compelled by, by what my mind says is right? Or am I willing to be honest? The psalmist writes, Create in me a pure heart, O God. The psalmist writes, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me what? A willing spirit. To sustain me. Then. I'll teach transgressors your way. So that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed O God. You are God my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips Lord. And my mouth will declare your praise. Entire book of Jonah. Just like this. Chapter 1 is way down here. Chapter 2 and 3, we seem to be up here. Chapter 4, we're back down here. Can anybody relate? I, mean, I feel like I'm, I'm up here. I feel like I'm down here. But the reality is, I just got to have God check my heart. This morning, if anything happens in this place, this morning, if you hear any word, I pray that you're willing to look inside. Maybe you're angry with God. I don't know what's going on in you. Maybe there's things that confuse you. Maybe there's things that don't make sense. But look inside. Look at your heart. God, do I need a heart check this day? Do I need to, to pray the words of the psalmist and just say, God created me a clean heart? my heart and make it like yours yeah God there's things that don't make sense there's things that make me angry there's a way that seems right there's a way that this should all be going and it's not going that way and sometimes because it doesn't go the way that we think it should go we become offended with God and that makes a, a change in our heart simply just need to say God create in me God, check my heart. Check my motivations. Am I being motivated by your love? Am I being motivated by your grace, your compassion? Am I being motivated by the goodness of you? Or am I being motivated by what I want and what I desire? God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for us all in this place. God, I believe you put us all here for a reason. God, this isn't about where we're at on this faith journey. It's about you and it's about my heart with you. God, I pray that, that as the worship team, as they lead us in this chorus, that this can literally become our prayer this day. That as we sing these words, God, that you reveal to us, you illuminate before us those areas where our heart has been in the wrong place, God, and you create a clean heart in us. As we sing this chorus, if you feel like you need to pray, the altars are open. If you feel like you need to pray, 
There's plenty of people around who can, who can pray with you. But I encourage you this morning to just let God check your heart. God, we pray that today, that this day, our hearts would be in line with you. There's moments where flesh rises up against you. There's moments where there's dissonance in what we're thinking. There's arguments with what we're thinking based upon who you are. Help us to recognize. Create clean hearts in us, God, that we can be compelled to do all that you've called us to do. I thank you for the faithfulness of your forgiveness. I thank you for the grace that you even showed Jonah, God, in the midst of this challenging chapter, that you were a God who still wanted him to see. Help us to live, God, with clean hearts. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may you live with the freedom of a clean heart. May you live not controlled by anger or things, the flesh that argues against, but a clean heart given by God. Amen? Be blessed.